Manchester City's thrilling 5-3 comeback victory was the highest ever scoring first leg in the Champions League knockout tie. In his first game for the Rockets since being traded from the Lakers, Lou Williams led the Rockets in scoring with a game-high 27 points with 7 May 3s, tying his career-high of 7 from 11. Hello and welcome to another episode of After the Whistle, where we discuss events on and off the field after the game is done. My name is Cyril and I'm joined as always by my co-hosts Donald and Luz. This week saw some really interesting NBA trades made, European football returned and we were served up some really entertaining fixtures. And for Claudio, his dilly ding dilly gone as he got handed his P45 by the Leicester board. Moose, Donald, any comments on the intro stats before we start the show? The Manchester City game was particularly exciting, crazy. I mean, there were people who were saying things like um, the game was exciting because the defenses were really poor. <laughs> but you could also argue that some good goals were scored. I don't think anybody was doubting the goals, but I feel like that. The point made that the defense being porous yeah. took away from the shine yeah. of the tie. It's a worthwhile one. Yeah, definitely. It's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a valid point, in my opinion. But um, really good, great goals. I mean, it was the kind of game that got you on the edge of your seats the whole time. It was brilliant. I mean, Falcao was... He he was he was he was pretty much bossing the game, and it was it was the kind of show that had United fans probably thinking, "Where was this guy?" You know, like <laughs> that they never actually got to see yeah. this from him. Yeah, like this was the really? guy. I don't think I thought that, but you, go on. You did no, <laughs> no. Like, wouldn't you have wanted this performance from Farquhar during his stint at United? Though this is the best. I don't think we ever saw this level of performance, this precision, the hold up play, the goal scored. United never got any of that. No, exactly. but see, I always say a good player is a good player. What you want is he's good enough. That's why he's there. What you want is consistency, because you know Falcao, being the player that he is, he still has great games in him. Moose, this was a guy. This was a guy we saw slipping. <laughs> Falcao's been consistent this season. He's been consistent this season, yeah. exactly. So no, he hasn't. No, he hasn't been super consistent this season. I wouldn't say he's been okay, consistent he's for such an expensive player, for such a well-touted player. I mean, when oh, you sign okay. Parker, okay. you're paying a pretty high salary. You're okay. expecting yeah. more from him. Yeah. I mean, not to take away from the fact that it was a great game and he did score some great goals. He had a good game. He had a good game, yeah. but. It didn't make me pine for a Falcao back at Man United. No, no, no. I, no. Um, I, I wouldn't say, you know, it was the kind of thing where I like, you know, get him back. But then it felt like, you know, we could have done with more of, of performances like this during his time at United. Oh, definitely. You know? I feel like even Monaco can do with more performances like this from him. Yeah, yeah. Hey. I mean, <laughs> they have the return leg at home, so hopefully he should, he serves up more, more, more of what he did this week. I don't yeah. think Monaco make it. Already predicting the downfall of no. I'm just side. saying. No, I'm just <laughs> no, saying. Me it's, it's. I mean, they had the they, they they had the game in their sights. They let it slip. I don't think they make it. You know, you play certain good teams, and sometimes you realize that they're there to be taken, and they're making mistakes. So, you know, you lay down a marker, you get a good win, and then you force them to now, you understand, have to think about you, have to be prepared for you. But five goals, you lose. You lose, you know, uh, uh, yeah, five goals, a two-goal advantage. I mean, it's it's gonna be hard. It's I mean, gonna be hard. They have away goals, so you never know. Ah, beating City by a two-goal margin is gonna be hard. Really hard. Really hard. And and I mean, it's said that what everybody was expecting. I mean, the two teams 
Okay. I mean, Monaco are the team who are scoring like the most goals in Europe right now. So two teams with really great offenses. I mean, yeah, there was some questionable goalkeeping. But uh, you could just tell that these are two teams who know how to score goals and yeah. who play to score goals. And that's why it was such a great game. I'm so glad I caught it live. I was this close to missing it, but I'm super glad I caught it live because there were a few players that I had wanted to see play and they did not disappoint. Talking about players, you know, scoring. Did you get a chance to see Lou Will do his thing for his new team, the Rockets? Well, I did, I did catch highlights. Wow. And I mean, this is pretty much what you expect from Lou. You know, you, this is pretty much what you expect from Lou. He's 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 an offensive powerhouse. He will get you points. He will get you buckets. Lou scores for fun. That's what Lou does. The problem with Lou is, um, I mean, playing Lou on a team that also has James Harden, you know that you're getting two players who are not, I mean, the most defensive-minded players on your teams. And for a playoff run, when you play players like this, you just hope they don't have bad games because when they do have bad games... Their defensive or their lack of defensive <coughs> attributes actually start showing. Yeah, it, start, it starts to show. But it, it's a very savvy trade by the Rockets. And I mean, as 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 someone like Lou, I would want to play on the Rockets and a Mike D'Antoni type of offense because you know you're going to get shot you know you're going to put up points. And that's what you want as a player, to have good stats, to have good games. Exactly. I think he tied his career high of 27 points. Yeah. And the, the the Rockets bench actually ended the game with 79 but points. That's a very deep Which bench. is freaking <laughs> impressive this when you is, look at this it. This is very impressive. But I know sometimes, too, you know, a deep bench just means it was just great staggering, like, staggering substitutions by the coach because sometimes you can play your most offensive you can put your most offensive players on the bench and start them from the bench, so to speak. And yeah. then you're back for your bench. But, I mean, you can see benches score like maybe 50, but for your bench to score 79 points, that just shows that, hey, you can, those guys can score. This kind of touch on what you said earlier. The, the hope now for Rockets fans is that these guys actually continue to light it up as in it doesn't become a situation where they grow cold and then none of their shots are, you know, getting through. No, but seriously, don't you think it was kind of bizarre that the Lakers let him go? No, it was. I don't think it was bizarre. I think it was. It was planned. Ed, no, you see, he had to go because the thing is, you have you have a young team that's growing, and you have Lou Will as like offensively savvy veteran. This was the point where Lou's trade value was at its highest, and he really, I mean, for such a player on such a team, what are you really playing for? I expected him to. He, I knew he would go to a playoff team because a contender for sure. There would, there, he would go to a contender because there would be teams who would need his offensive firepower. You know, he's he's kind of you can liken him to maybe like um, uh, what do you call it on the Clippers. Oh, that's all Jamal. Jamal Crawford, Crawford like a Jamal yeah. Crawford on the Clippers. You can liken him to that. I mean, so. You don't have you don't have a need for him, and I feel like the Lakers don't even have that much of a need for maybe Lord Deng and Timothy Mozgov because when you have a young team and you know you're not going to make the playoffs, it becomes about giving the young players like more time to play, yeah, more building time. more game time, building experience, you know, seeing how they develop it and seeing the direction you want to take. So for him being there, of course, teams would be looking. So you just look to hey, his trade value is really high. Let me get let me get a good trade for him and. Honestly, I don't feel like it was such a great trade, but we still got something for him. I, I, 
I disagree with you. I feel like you mentioned the Lakers team that's not definitely making playoffs. They are looking to hopefully get a good pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. They go a player who makes them slightly a bit worse. Perfect. Your young kids, your young No, I'm talking about <laughs> getting something for Lou. I feel like we could have got a higher pick for Lou. I feel like it could have been a three-team trade because Lou is a really good player yeah. and I think he's only 31. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, you, you traded him for a pick and a guy who's putting up, I think, six and two. Exactly. I mean, Lou's the highest scoring player on the Lakers right now. A team that <laughs> shares the ball a lot. So, I know, I expect, this is a loaded draft. So, I expect because, I mean, the Rockets are a playoff team. And the Rockets pick is going to be low first round. Yep. You know, and I feel like this draft is pretty much stacked maybe 1 to 15. And then from there, it's pretty much, you know, average or how savvy you are in actually, like, you know, knowing the players well enough to get a steal. I don't feel like that. So I feel like we could have got a better pick for Lou because this is a good draft and it's good you have a pick, but I expected a better pick. One, one, one of the news making the rounds was that Lou going to the, to the Rockets was, you know, engineered by Magic, yours truly, just because he wants to be seen as a player-friendly GM at president. So No, I did hear that. No, ma- I don't have a... Pr- it was the Rockets he wanted to go to. You sent him to the Rockets. Exactly. Fine. Get something better from the Rockets. Get the Rockets to trade a player to another team to get a better <laughs> pick, and then yeah. give that pick to the Lakers. I think I think as Lakers fans, you guys, you get rid of a player, you get a player that makes you worse, you get a better shot at the twenty seventeen draft class. I think that's perfect. You no, you, you, no, you don't get a better shot to the twenty. You have you have a pick that's top three protected, mm-hmm. right? Which you are tanking for, and now you have a pick that's going to be in the mid to late, you know, mid to late twenties. I mean. That's not unless of course you pray for a Draymond. <laughs> you pray for a Draymond, man. You pray for a Draymond. You pray for like uh, Jimmy Butler. You just you just pray to find one of those guys. But hey, a first round pick is a first round pick. But I feel like we could have got better for Will. But like, kudos to him. I just feel like the rock the Rockets are going to be too hot for a few teams in these playoffs. Honestly. Well, the Rockets bro. really are going to be too hot for a few teams. They might. Uh, I feel like they're going to surprise some people. Well, we've already started the conversation about uh, the trade. <laughs> okay. So, the trade deadline ended this week, Thursday, F- F5 season. It was a bit crazy. And uh, for the ATW team, we've identified a couple of trades that we feel are going to you know, matter come finals because everybody has done their winners, losers, who... Who got the best trade? Who didn't? We are hoping to take a much more nuanced approach. Yeah, no, yeah, nuanced approach. Looking to the big, the big trophy, the, the one that trophy. matters. Which are the trade matters? So, the Cavs getting Carl Crover early on is definitely going to factor since the Cavs are one of the best teams, and we are assuming they're going to win the Eastern Conference Finals. The Raptors actually made some pretty good moves as well. The Raptors made a very, very good move getting Serge Ibaka. Yeah, very, exactly. very good move. Ibaka and Tucker, who Tucker. actually helped defeat the Celtics yeah. yesterday. So, I <laughs> yeah. guess that's paying off. Yeah. But in the Celtics' defense, there was no Bradley. So, that's an asterisk right there. And also, <sighs> you can't forget Cousins moving to the Pelicans to join. That was the blockbuster trade. <laughs> that was obviously <laughs> that the big one. There were so many stories going around with that one. There are stories going around that... Um, I think Jim Buss and Mitch Kupchak lost their job because, because they couldn't convince Boogie. They couldn't not convince put Boogie, together a package that would Kings. make the Kings let Boogie go. I um, don't know. There was also talk that the Kings, uh, the Kings front office, really wanted what uh, Buddy. No, 
They really did want Buddy Hield. So, yeah, they've been sweet on Buddy Hield for a long time. So there was no way the Lakers could actually put together a package that included Buddy. So no, I, I had the ask for Ingram, and that was the sticking point. They ah. didn't want to let Ingram go, so they really do rate him quite highly. And I like the kid. I mean, he's struggling a bit, but he's showing flashes. And if he feels out, he's a he's a great ball handler. The shooting really hasn't come. He was known to be a shooter. The shooting really doesn't come back. It's showing in flashes. And I mean, people have to understand that for most players coming, if you're a star in the NCAA, you're not going to, you're pretty much bank average or below average in the NBA. That's I, what people yeah. don't, people don't understand. I feel like. But you still have the tools though. You still no, have he the has tools. the tools. So exactly. you look for the tools or you look for how you can develop the tools going forward. I always say, I mean, it's best to, sort of analyze a pick after his third year, a rookie like in his third year, that's when you can accurately say, oh, okay, look. Because, because by then he should be getting minutes. Exactly, because if that was the case, people yeah. like, I mean, Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. was in his in his rookie season, there were so many point guards better than him. I mean, Drew Holiday was better than him, so many other guys. But now he's a bona fide superstar. So if you're going to go by his first season or his second season, you wouldn't have really you know, been able to accurately predict. So also depends on the team you go to, right? It really no, it really does depend on the team and how long they're going to take to act- actively develop you. Like how much experience they have in developing that type of player, what you know, what their coaching staff is yeah. like and how well they understand your position as a player to develop you. Yeah. Because I feel like certain teams are best suited to develop certain types of talents with certain types of personalities. So that also that also goes and also and and it also has to do with the type of season you're having. You know, certain mm-hmm. players are really tough to motivate. You have a good player, but maybe sometimes it's not good for him to be on a losing team for too long. So mm-hmm. it might actually affect his development for a bit. So you never know. It's just it's it's really just about being in the right situation. Okay, so we we are in agreement that the three teams that came out tops at least that are going to have an implication. We're going to factor in when it comes to the finals are uh, the Rockets, the Cavs making a big move, and also the Pelicans. But to talk about Kyle Korver, you know, Kyle Korver is good, but we also have to, but if we're looking at the draft, we also have to talk about the implications of what certain, of certain drafts, like certain players getting waived That's and being able to be, and be, no, because it still affects the playoff picture and it's still an effect of the draft. So you're talking about Bogart and... Yeah, I'm talking specifically about <laughs> Deron Williams. How do you allow the Cavs to have a chance to get Deron Williams? Because let's be honest, the guys they were trying out exactly were Mario Chalmers, Kirk Heinrich, and um, did Mike was his name? No, the New York kid, the New York kid who was on the Pacers, the guy that blew in LeBron's ear. Ooh, Stevenson? Stevenson. Lance Stevenson. Yeah. I mean, when you, you go from these three to Deron Williams, I mean, Deron Williams has, I mean, he's not who he was. Back he's not the- who he was in 2006, 7, 8. Yeah. But come on, Deron Williams can shoot and Deron Williams can pass. And Deron Williams is a playmaker. LeBron has got his... Oh, okay, fine. They haven't picked him up yet, but everything's pointing towards them picking him up. Mm-hmm. LeBron has got his playmaker, and I think the Calcover thing. People expected he was he was never going to be a direct replacement for for the injured. Um, oh, no, no, no. It wasn't Kevin Love for the injured J.R. Smith. He was never because he 
He's also a knockdown three-point shooter, but the thing about J.R. Smith is J.R. Smith will take any shot you give him. The types of shots J.R. Smith takes forces your defense to adapt. You understand? He's in your face. Cover waits for his shots. J.R. Smith's style of play forces the opposing team to adapt, and that's an intangible that I would say Cover doesn't have. So you have to create shots for Cover. Also, like I said, J.R. Smith can create his own three-point shot yeah. way better than Cover can. Cover is more of a spot-up shooter. But still, I mean, whichever offensive tools you have, you take because you're going for the you're going for the big chip, and you know whatever whatever, whatever you want to do. And it looks like that's that's where LeBron is right now because he's actually speaking out, and you can actively see that for the first time in a very long time. He's frustrated and he's speaking out about it. So you can tell he really wants it this year. So Because people were talking about um, the fact that the Cavs may be vulnerable going into the playoffs with, you know, Jared being injured and all that. So bringing Cover in makes them less vulnerable. Oh, it does make them less vulnerable, yeah. but I'm just trying to say Cal Cover is no DR. I think, yeah, it's not a like-for-like replacement. It's not a like-for-like replacement. But he does plug a hole. He does plug a hole. He does plug a hole. And now they have their playmaker. So, boy, 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 boy. Well, if if, if, if if Williams does sign after this podcast, I should lose it. I guess I'm going to bet bet money Deron Williams is going to sign with the Cavs. When he clears waivers, which he's got. I'll let you know at the end of this episode I'm taking it. But I'm I'm definitely (laughs) interested. Okay, so... We have our three teams that we feel did a pretty good job when it came to the deadline, the trade this this week. Let's look at the the playoff implications. Everybody cool with that? Yeah, let's do it. But we didn't really talk about the other teams that made good trades. So do we, we were saying the Rockets, really the Rockets, the Rockets, the Rockets, the Rockets, the Cavs, and the Rockets, the Cavs. The Pelicans? The Pelicans probably still won't make the playoffs. No, but they do have different, they have improved their chances and they are matched up when it comes with what if they do get eight seed and they play with the Warriors. What were the Raptors though? Yeah, the Raptors should should be included as well. No, we did talk about the Raptors. Yeah. We just talked about the trade. Yeah, we just talked no, yeah, I mean they picked up Sergi Baka and they picked up Bini Chaka. Ibaka has playoff experience as well. Exactly. If if he stays fit, he should be a good addition. I mean if if they make it there. Now they have they have two players to counter the the beast that is LeBron. But you have to face him there. Sometimes you plug you plug a hole and then you create another hole somewhere else. I'm talking to you, Trailblazers. <laughs> I mean, but to talk about other trades, I, I was quite surprised by OKC because I thought you know they'll probably add to they'll try and add something to Westbrook because I mean Westbrook as good as he's been this season. Can't necessarily, you know. I think for Westbrook, it's all about him getting the MVP. So at this point, yeah, at this point, that's, yeah, at this point, I feel like that's a bit yeah. unfair. He he he's a winner. He would love. I no, but Taj Gibson is a very good pickup. Taj Gibson plays with heart. I mean, think about it. Now you have Taj Gibson, and you just said, you have Taj. You said you just said heart. You didn't mention the scoring. You see I didn't you? mention the scoring. No, I mean, listen, like. You can't say Taj Gibson is an Enos Kanter because Enos Kanter isn't going to get banged up in the post. Enos Kanter is going to put up like probably the same number of points as Taj Gibson is going to, but Taj Gibson is going to give you heart. Mm-hmm. Taj Gibson is going to bang up guys in the post. Taj Gibson is going to take a beating in the post. And he's going to affect defenses because if you're not ready to take on Taj Gibson in the post, you will not get close to Taj Gibson in the post. Yeah, but I don't really see 
that actually improving OKC's playoff chances. I mean, they are still probably going to at best move to sit. Exactly. But, I mean, the, their playoff then, chances weren't great to begin exactly, with. Exactly. Even then, it's probably going to be a second round exit at best. It's nothing to scoff at. because <laughs> No, because, come on, it's nothing to scoff at because the West is stacked. And, I mean, you have to look at other teams and how much better they are than you. The West is stacked. But now you have Russell Westbrook, you have Todd Gibson, you have Steven Adams. I mean, these are three madmen who run through a wall. I just want, I just want to see how... This will play out in the playoff situation. I just can't wait to watch them in the playoff game. Honestly, those three guys. I mean, you might, you might have, you might have a point because we discussed this earlier on about how the playoff game is completely different. The game slows down. Yeah. Players are a bit more intentional about ball movements and you know switching on players. Defense yeah, actually like, factors in as well. You have strong eight, eight, nine man rotations. Exactly. So yeah. who knows? Maybe these guys can actually, you know. Yeah, play, a playoff situation is very different. It's all about matchups, and it's all about how well you know how well you're prepared and how your team matches up against the team you're playing. So, I mean, it doesn't happen as often as it used to, but I mean, come on, there have been times when a top seed didn't sweep the eight seed, and there have been times when I mean, I mean, the Mavs were the first seed in a certain year and they were knocked out in the first round. Yeah. I mean, it happened in the playoffs. It's about matchups, and in the playoffs, you know, certain teams actually hit form and figure it out getting to the end of the season I wouldn't want to play the Washington Wizards right now they seem to be figuring it out you know <laughs> they seem to be figuring it out as a team in the East I wouldn't want to and then there's a team like the Celtics who seem to now be you know now be on the wane a bit you know it happens it happens sometimes I, I, don't, I don't think the Celtics are on the wing, given that. No, I'm not yeah. saying they're on the wing, but I'm saying getting close to the playoff picture, they're losing games you don't expect them to lose. I think they lost. They, they just lost two games they were yeah. expected to win. So, you know, getting to the playoffs, it's it's different. You know, teams get into mid-season form. Some teams figure it out as they go on. So you can't just say, hey, this team, you can't just look at records and say, hey, this team's going to take this team. You know, it's about matchups. It's about how prepared you are. It's about your form going in. Plus, you know, it's about health. Whichever of your players is available. Because, I mean, think about it. Some of these teams are one bad injury away from their seasons being over. Uh, so, let's try to do some prediction if everybody's okay with that. I see the Pelicans don't make the playoffs. <laughs> the Trailblazers also don't make the playoffs. Which is actually terrible. Because if you look at how much they're paying, if you look at their... You know, if you look at their salaries right now, it's like, come on, man. You know, I, I think mean, with the Blazers, their season has just been a bit head scratching. They, they the had, expectations they had coming in. They had them. They had that amazing shootout. With you know, Warriors. with the Warriors. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. That was that was brilliant. That was amazing. We'd love to see that. But hey, I heard they brought in Et to be like a secondary ball handler to take the ball out of um, CJ and Damien's hands, but. I mean, it turns out they've really taken a few steps back because they're struggling to win games and they're the 10th seed in in a Western Conference where really the 8th seed is now really pretty much up for grabs. I mean, OKC have pretty much locked down the 7th seed. But the Nuggets, Kings, uh, the Blazers and the Pelicans. Yeah, are all fighting for one spot. And I think the Pelicans with it, because Boogie and uh, what's his name? Davis actually look good when they play the Raptors. They actually do look good, but making up three games over... The schedule is not as easy as it looks. But yeah, they're in the best position with the two big men they have. Yeah, they are in the best position, but I feel like the Nuggets are also figuring it out. 
yeah, yeah, has been a very impressive. You see, the point the point made is you really have to you have to beat who's around you. You know, you have to have a better record than who's around you. And, and I feel like the, the Nuggets lose as well. Hoping the other guys lose, and then you know the Nuggets are going to win some games. The Kings are going to win some games. The Blazers are going to win. Okay, forget the Blazers. And the Pelicans are going to win some games. But so not now it's about games to are you going to up? win enough games to move up ahead of these other guys? You know, that's where the problem now comes in. It would have been different if you just had to get over one guy. But now all three of you are in a position to win enough games to actually kind of make it. So it's pretty much about, hey, whoever is has a bit of an advantage going in. Is in the best is in the best position to make it. I would not want to be a coach of one of these teams because, I mean, we are looking at four teams fighting for one slot, and there are going to be three disappointed fan bases at the end of the season because all four of them will feel like they have a legitimate chance at getting the eight seed. Arguably, I think it's probably <laughs> going to be Nuggets fans that end up being the most disappointed. With Kings fans at this point, they are resigned to not making the playoffs because they've lost Boogie. Yeah. Trailblazers, as you mentioned, it's been a bit of a head scratching season. So most actually appreciate the ability, to get the chance to just reset and try to figure out what's wrong with the team. And with the Pelicans, <laughs> they have boogie. Like at this point, every game is a highlight. Them making the playoffs just an icing on the cake. I don't think so, man. You think they? I mean, boogie wants. Boogie has never made the playoffs. Boogie wants to make the playoffs. No, granted, but he, but he has all players want to make playoffs. All yeah, but players. boogie wants to make the playoffs for such for an all star, you know, for such a perennial all star, he wants to make the playoffs. He wants to make the playoffs. I don't think the Nuggets fans should be disappointed because they know they have a young team. I feel like maybe they might be punching a little bit above their weight, and they might, you know, revert to where they're supposed to be because I feel like they have a young team. A great young core, and they should be looking into that because Nikola Jokic is amazing. As the season went ahead, they realized, hey, this guy is pretty good. They actually used him a bit more. His usage went up. His numbers exactly. went up. You know, you tell, you can just tell sometimes where you have a star on your hands, and they do have a star on their hands, and they have the pieces around, very young pieces. I feel like if they make the playoffs, it's the icing, but they shouldn't be too disappointed because they wouldn't have expected to be this good this soon. Maybe this season is a bit too soon for them. Like you mentioned, they, they do have a young core. And honestly, if they do make playoffs, that experience is going to be what invaluable. It's so going to be invaluable. It's right? a win-win case for it's, the Nuggets. It's a win-win actually. case for the Nuggets because whatever happens next year, they're going to be strong. Yeah, I feel like their fans are believing at this point. They, they, I think this, the eighth seed is theirs to lose, really. Man. The they're in, definitely, it is. I mean, they shouldn't... They shouldn't I mean... They're, they're, they're the Mile High Club, but they shouldn't get their heads in the clouds. Man. <laughs> they shouldn't back their own hype. <laughs> they shouldn't back their own hype. I mean, I know, I know, I know, like, you know, they're, 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 they're pretty high up. I mean, seeing where they play, I mean, they play in Denver. Come on, but come on, they shouldn't get their heads in the clouds. Anything on top about the East, or are we just completely ignoring that as a dead league? The Cavs are going to come out on top and The Cavs are vulnerable. I'm telling you, the Cavs are vulnerable. I'm just looking at... I mean, I just feel like the Wizards are just ready for anyone in the East. I don't know. Barring anything catastrophic happening, I feel like the Wizards are ready for anyone in the East. And plus, you know, you look at... After the Cavs, you look at the second, third, and fourth spot, and you feel like it could change at any time. It could be anything, really, because now we have the Celtics in two. They have the Wizards in three and the Raptors in four. 
any of these teams could end up in the in the second slot. So now you start looking at your schedule and you start looking at what is the best matchup for you going in. Yeah. So I feel like this is going to be one of those last five games to go, and then people start saying, "Hey, resting players. Let's 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 rest players." <laughs> Rest players, you know, just to you know get, get a favorable matchup. Manager. Yeah, just like get home, home advantage be damned. Is <coughs> we go with that. Home advantage be damned, man. It's the first round. If it's a team you can beat, I don't think home advantage helps them beat you. I'm just surprised the Bucks aren't as good as they've looked. But the Heat, the Heat have been very surprising because I think there was a time when they won ten games in a row. I didn't expect them to actually figure it out. That's a very long, one of the longest. That's the longest winning streak this season. Exactly. Actually. I did not expect them to figure it, to figure it out. I expected them to. Shout be out to Spolstra, man. He's oh, shout out! No, Spolstra is good. I mean, Spolstra is good. But you know, sometimes he you doesn't feel like, get mentioned enough when it comes to best NBA coaches for whatever reason. I feel like we always mention the usual Popovich. The thing about um, Spolstra is. I don't think he should be bothered by it because the NBA is full of some really good coaches. You see, that's that's what happens. It's it's a thirty team league for yeah. you know for the whole of North America. There are some really good coaches in the NBA, so he shouldn't be too bothered by that. He is a good coach and he's doing really well. I just thought they would just say hey, and you know just tack the season away, but they are winning some games and they are winning them really well. And you can tell that hey. You know, if if we add a few pieces, we can actually be a pretty good playoff team, mm-hmm. and that's and that's what you want. And I guess the fans are happy with that. It just shows that there's there's still life in Miami after LeBron and Wade. <laughs> there was a joke being made that Riley was just trying to rub it into Wade Wade's face that hey, you left, but we still have a better record than the team you're on right now. So maybe if he had stayed. Oh, then he's doing really well. And plus, I cannot believe that Dion Waiters is playing so well. He's been beasting. Him. He has been beasting, man. He has been beasting. Shout out to Spolstra for that, man. Because, I mean, all of a sudden, Dion Waiters is putting up points. He's closing games. Buzzer beaters. I mean, most people just thought, hey, he would be a scorer and that would be it. He's and he would doing never it be. All. He's doing it all. He would never be like a bona fide star. But I'm happy for him. You know, he's proved a lot of people wrong. And I feel like maybe, I guess maybe Miami suits him well. So, but. I mean, we are talking like they're a playoff team. They're still not a playoff team in the week East, but they're winning games. They're winning games people didn't expect them to win, and you have to give mm-hmm. them that. So, to wrap it all up, I mean, the Cavs are vulnerable. No, the Cavs really are vulnerable. Things change. I mean, if they, if J.R. Smith comes back and then they pick up Duron Williams, I guess the tune just changes, and we're like, hey, who meets who meets the Cavs in the conference finals, and who meets the Cavs in the who, uh, what you had then? Whoever, whoever wins that, probably the Cavs meets the Warriors, the stacked Warriors, and then in a repeat of last year. So we we'll just hope something changes. But I mean, you have to you have to credit both teams for doing their work. It's not like it was easy. They actually did their homework. They actually picked up some really good players, and they've actually made sure that they are going to make it back to the playoffs. We just have to, we just have to, I'm hoping something changes. I'm hoping something changes, man. I'm hoping someone else makes the final. Shout out to the Wizards, though, man. Do something. I'm still harboring holes that the Celtics pulled through, but that's, that's just, like, that's just that my, that's just my optimism. <laughs> so, a pretty surprising news filtered through this week, uh, which was that Leicester parted ways with Ranieri, switching gears from basketball to football. And, after that news broke, there's been some talk that it was actually the players coming together and deciding that, hey, he's just not doing it for us anymore. 
and then the ball went to the place decision and kicked him out. Just one, I guess you could argue that it was coming. The writing was on the wall. Their league form has been atrocious. But then their Champions League performance was has been mirroring last season's league performance. So I guess the first question, does he deserve to be let go? It's it was all about timing. You know one thing that was said was uh, I think Ranieri's uh, post game um, press conference he spoke about how he felt like there was a different vibe after the Sevilla game where he felt like this was the moment where they were going to kick on and actually you know salvage the season and then soon after that you know he's, he's, he's asked to leave so you ask yourself is this a crucial moment once more where they have probably made a decision at the wrong time where they, this could actually get the players going back to poor form and, you know, not feeling like the champions that they were last season. And, you know, there was some talk that people were saying that, you know, football has lost its soul in the sense that, you know, Ranieri had given Leicester, you know, the, you know, the impossible dream. So and he should be allowed to stay with so them until deserve, the end. Let, does he deserve, yeah. let the captain stay with the ship until it sinks. Exactly. Right? Like <laughs> they should have at least made him see out the season, and they made a decision: relegation or no relegation. But then I want to bring my, you know, I bring attention to this. Moose spoke about this the last time, on the last episode. I think it was episode one, where he said that f- football is all about results. You understand? It's all about results, and. Um, you, you want to win games, you want to win trophies. So if it's not going well, and but despite the fact that you know he, you know he did something like unbelievable, they had to salvage the season. They had to make sure they stay in the Premier League, and it wasn't happening under him. So yeah, I guess that's to go. I guess that's what happens when you take out the emotions from football. Exactly, which is I mean, I mean I'm not going to get into it again, but yeah, most knows where I stand. But. <laughs> Yeah, but it also it also it also has to open up the discussion about player power. I mean, I, I think not to cut you off, but the the last time something like this happened in the Premier League was Chelsea. Yeah, when player disgruntledness came out and the, the manager got the boots. No surprise that Mourinho left to Ranieri's defense. Oh well, yeah, someone here had been continuously ridiculing when they were back in the Serie A. But I guess hey. <laughs> I, I I don't know. Mourinho, is this, is Mourinho is so two faced. Like is this what happens with Mourinho is he makes bedfellows or failure makes <laughs> strange bedfellows. In this case, shared experiences yeah, make exactly. strange bedfellows. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I'm going to say. Mourinho is such a funny character. He sometimes wants to make you feel that this is football and this is real life, but he never puts up a filter for you to like make those distinctions. I mean, you hear him speak about certain people and then he turns around and then he's now trying to I mean come on Mourinho but I mean you you can tell it just shows that he still hurts from the Chelsea sacking so yeah. that's just Mourinho it was, doing it was all the top his reaction he it's his, yeah yes yes yeah I, I just I just joke that maybe he's wearing it to be Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> um, yeah but just a quick comparison you know from Leicester's league from last season and this season but I feel not to cut you but I feel like <laughs> Leicester Leicester I mean you have to understand that most teams aren't most teams who are not ready to win the league aren't really ready for European competition. Leicester did well, but you have to understand that your team is stretched. But their, their team, 
But the counter to that was they had the entire summer to figure out. No, they the had the entire summer to figure and out. They did, they, 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 did, they did sign a few new players, but you have to understand that those players really haven't hit the ground running. And they really were leaning towards a youthful side yeah. when you look at their signings throughout. And and you also have to understand that there's an N'Golo Kante size hole in the Leicester defence. He is the player that allows them to play 4-4-2 in the Premier League. It's crazy to want to play 4-4-2 in this Premier League. But you see, now you have a player who is just so tactically aware, who can see danger before it happens. He's a brilliant tackler. He's good with the ball at his feet and he can pass. To put some numbers to what Moose just said, so last season, Kante led the Leicester team in the league with about 4.2 interceptions, 4.7 tackles, and he led the team in passing it to 1.8. Exactly. I mean, come and on. nobody's replicating that this season. No, 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 nobody is. And come mm-hmm. on, I mean, you can't have that many interceptions per game if you're not tactically astute. When you watch Kante play and you watch, even for Chelsea, you watch when, like, um, when they're in defense and where there's maybe a counter or an attack from another team, you mm-hmm. watch how he positions himself. He always reads the danger and he's always there. I mean, one man can really stop. It's not to say if they score a goal, he didn't do his job. But you can just tell that he is really tactically aware. He's, and he's a really opponent's job harder. He's a, re- he's, exactly. a, he's a really good player. And the sad thing is, they signed Nampalis Mendy, who I would feel like would be a natural replacement for him. Not to say he's as good a player. He's, he's That was expectation, but he just never really seemed yeah, to. No, he got so injured. So he got injured. But you I mean, know, a few times he did start, there were still some growing pains on his head. There were going to be growing yeah. pains. But when you come to a new team in a new league, and you have an injury, I mean, there's a chance that you wouldn't just take to it instantly. But then now coming off an injury, it just makes it harder. And also, I mean, not to say Ndidi isn't a good player, but you see, he is not really the type of player that will make. Vamos, Ndidi. Yes. Have you like have you studied his play? Like have his game? Have you really watched him? I have watched him only over maybe three or four games. So what do you think? I think he's good though. I I think one thing we are we we are focusing on Kante, but then we should also look at the other ten players. No, we should no, yeah, but yeah. I'm saying you see a Kante size hole. Kante allows you to play a certain way. But you see, Kante allows you to play a certain way, but then the entire Leicester team allowed their performance for last season to actually happen. Yeah. I feel like with Ndidi, the problem now is he could replicate Kante's effect like from last season, but then when you have Vardy, Mares, uh, the centre backs, Huth and Morgan yeah. just being poor, even Kante returning would not. At best, Leicester will probably be a mid-table team. Or maybe in the top four hands, if Kante is that good. And no, but that's fine. You see, you, we are not expecting Leicester to win the league again. We're just really surprised that they are in a relegation, they are in the relegation battle. Yeah. That's yeah. the whole point. Because, we, I, I mean, I was predicting that they would maybe finish maybe 10. Because people would say, hey, you won the league, you're good. No, you won the league. You, you rode a wave and won the league. Yeah. But that's not fair. Winning, no, mm-hmm. winning the Premier League twice is hard because yeah, what you have to understand is that you beat teams last season and it's still fresh in their minds and they're ready for you. Everybody's looking at you. The next, the next game, your next game is going to be different. The next game is going. That's why it's so hard to... And, and now it's starting to show. I don't think a team has won two league titles in a row in, in England in quite a while. Because now... Not to say the managers were dumber, but we have smarter managers in the league. But you okay? But to be fair, you also have to look at Vardy and Mahrez's performances. Their performance has dropped. It's surprising. To a point, yes, you you have to blame the manager. But I mean, sacking the manager, do you really feel that whoever you're going to bring in 
is going to be like the best guy going forward? Are you bringing in someone to just plug the gap? Have you spoken to the manager and told him that, hey, being in the relegation zone is not us? I guess. Fine, we know we are not going to win the Champions League. Focus more on on the league. Get us out of there. And it, just depend, us it depends on who they hire, really. But whoever they hire, there's still going to be the new I manager mean, bounce. People, so, people, 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 are talking, people are talking about Alan Pardew, and my goodness, I don't want Alan Pardew anywhere near this Leicester team. If I was a Leicester fan, but hey, that's what that's what happens, man. I, I mean, mean, Big Sam is still around, right? Yeah, Big Sam is still around, but he hasn't <laughs> had the you know impact that everyone expected. The Big Sam bounce, right? Yeah, but Big Sam is at Sunderland. I mean, he Crystal can be pushed. No? no, no, I don't think. Has actually ever happened. We're getting sad. I don't think. I don't think. I don't think. I don't think he can be poached. So we, we, I feel like Leicester should. Uh, uh, Leicester really shouldn't be where they are, but we have to. We have to also accept that. Fine, they've taken this decision, and they feel and they feel like this is what's best for them. But to be in the relegation zone is just, it's just, it's just. And also, one thing is there. There have been too much histrionics about sacking the manager. Fine. It, it it's not good, but it's not a disgrace. It's not. So I mean, he many, gets paid. It's he not so much. Yeah, there's, 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 been, there's been there's been too much hyperbole. I mean, there's justification for sacking the man. People are sacked based off results. There's too much emotional outpour. Yeah, the team that won the league is in the relegation zone. If you take away Ranieri and you just make him like a nameless manager, I mean, come on. If you have a team that won the league and it's now in the relegation zone, you will look. Jose got sacked for that, so definitely. You would you would look to letting him go, or you would look to actively, you know, get like doing something about it. So there is justification for his sacking. Sad as it may be, they shouldn't be in the relegation zone. Don't know final words on Ranieri's sacking. I don't think it was fair, but <laughs> um, I think they should have made him see all the season at least. You know, Moose definitely disagrees with that. Yeah, they should have made him see all the season. What's the worst that could happen? They get relegated? <laughs> I, I didn't say it was an easy decision, but... On yeah. that note, it's a wrap, guys. If you enjoyed our show, please make sure to share with two friends. If you want to continue the conversation with us, the ATW team, join us over on Twitter at GCRATW. If you're old school and prefer to send an email, our email address is afterthewhistle at thegoldcoachreport.com. That's all one word, afterthewhistle at thegoldcoachreport.com. You send them, we promise to read them. You can also get in touch with us on Instagram and Facebook. Just search for the Gold Coast Report. Have a great week, guys. Va a golpear Cristiano. Se espadarra el bicho. Va a golpear con la derecha. Chuta Cristiano. Gol. Costa turns out the finals. Hazard. Won the title for Leicester City tonight. Irving and Curry, one-on-one, Irving puts it up, it's good, Kyrie Irving from downtown!